Hello, welcome to another Pharmacy and Practice podcast. Uh, raining here today, but um, I'm I'm cheered by the fact we've got a, another very very interesting guest, and this is this is the first. Well, we're 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 sort of making it up as we go along, really. But this is the first in a series of podcasts where um, we're taking a departure from 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 the norm. We're sort of introducing a theme, and the theme is vaccination. Um, and and accompanying that is is the theme of pharmacists working autonomously, or uh, or what we need to do to get there. So, yeah, I suppose I better introduce my guest. So, my I'll, I'll let you introduce yourself, Derek. But it's uh, it's Derek Evans, um, pharmacist uh, extraordinaire from Wales. Derek, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so I, I am from Wales, and uh, thank you very much for uh, introducing me there, Jonathan. Um, for those of you who haven't met me before, I'm a specialist pharmacist in uh, travel medicine. I have my own business in travel medicine, and I've been doing travel medicine for about 25 years. And obviously, one of the key tenants of travel medicine always has been vaccinations. So I've been uh, keen to develop the pharmacy line and the of pharmacies to uh, become frontline primary providers of vaccinations and vaccination services that come from the core of um, vaccine training and the uh, the extension to uh, the services that we know in primary care that we can provide. And there's 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 so much like I don't really know where to start with this. To be quite honest, Derek, that's. That's why we're we're uh, partly why I've decided to uh, or we've decided to sort of pull this um, you know series together and and we're I mean I'm going to ask you on I'm, we're going to do it live so I'm going to ask you who you think who you think we need to interview and why and we need to get into the weeds of you know what's our end goal so the end goal is to support pharmacists to work autonomously really that's I. Since mm-hmm. since I have been a pharmacist, that's that's what I've wanted, and I I suppose through the the independent prescribing lens and experience, I've had a I've had a glimpse of it, but um, I'm not going to go into all the detail of the problems right now because we can we can expand on that later. But I think all this work sits in a you know in the context of the fact that community pharmacy particularly really is at a it's past the point of needing to adapt, really. I know this is like ground zero of um, what's wrong with pharmacy or community pharmacy, but honestly, Amazon is coming. Um, lots of digital health solutions are, are in the market. The supply function, you know, the value proposition around that, in my opinion, is is rapidly diminishing. Um, you know, why... why why put supply of, of medicines through a, a bricks and mortar pharmacy if if eventually um, you know an online provider can do it better? That's what that's what customers and not just patient facing customers. You know, out front, I mean, customers like the NHS as well will be thinking. So this the thrust of what we're doing is all around autonomous working. We're 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 sort of hanging it on vaccination. Um, skills and services and training and so on and so forth, and yeah, you and I are working in the background on this 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 innovative concept of micro credentialing as well. And yeah, we need to um, we need to explore that. So I suppose to kick off, Derek, like what's 
I'd love to hear a bit more about your experience and where you know where you've come from, what what you've done, and and maybe what what's wrong with pharmacy, or or, or let's pin, let's pin it to community pharmacy. What's wrong with community pharmacy at the moment? Okay, um, so from my background, I've always worked in community pharmacy. I've worked in the multiple groups, um, certainly, and from all uh, managerial uh, ranges, from um, from from managing a pharmacy to managing a store to managing a, a an area. There is nothing wrong with community pharmacy. Community pharmacy has always been there, but it's the old adage, we need to adapt and we need to adopt new ideas and new protocols moving forward. As, you, as we all know, community pharmacy has a skill base which supplies very many skills. And some people have in the past referred to us as uh, being a jack of all trades and jack of all skills. And I'm now thinking that we need to be looking at that is the basic community pharmacy, but some community pharmacies are now going to be wanting to specialize in specific services, and they're probably going to be tailored directly to the needs of their local community. So we may now be seeing pharmacies and community pharmacies in particular who will be specialists in vaccinations because that is what their community needs and i think this is one of the ways that we're going to challenge and move forward now pharmacy has always thought of itself to be in its entirety and practice within its own boundaries if we're moving forward we now need to be integrating into the much larger healthcare team which will have the medics or have the nurses or have other ancillary professions such as optometrists dietitians etc etc and for them to absorb and take pharmacy into their comfort zone and working within them within the nhs we need to show so that we are credible we are not just uh, commercially orientated, although we will still retain that, that model. But we also, therefore, need to demonstrate that we have a academic training which leads to a professional consideration, a professional knowledge that, uh, that uh, supports and underpins a lot of the practices that they, they do. Travel medicine and vaccinations go hand in hand, but travel medicine is different. But the new idea of travel medicine, travel medicine really became uh, about as, an, uh, as a distinct piece of extension from infectious diseases in the mid-1990s. So it's in its infancy, really. But the major training courses at um, the places such as um, the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons of Glasgow treat medics, pharmacists and nurses as exactly the same. And they put them through the same courses to get the same qualifications. And those qualifications are widely accepted and across the boundaries and borders of all the other uh, of all the other professions allowing for this professional integration some people do this externally and internationally with uh, uh, societies such as the international society of travel medicine and they work from america 
in exactly the same phase that their qualification, the certificate in travel health, is is accepted across all of the main healthcare professions. So I think we have a model here which is going to be integrated. We have within the professions the ability to be have independent prescribers. We know that pharmacy degree is changing, and in the future we're going to be having graduates coming out with a qualification that allows them to prescribe. This, I feel, has some ramifications within the profession that there will be a large amount of very experienced pharmacists who may not have the legal ability to prescribe and therefore there will be a need to consider these people and what training can they uh, can they deliver. I talk about independent prescribers. Independent, independent prescribers we know can legally prescribe anything that is um, uh, uh, in the prescription only medicine range except with the certain controlled drugs, etc. However, the GPHC is quite clear on the ethics that should only be allowed to practice within one's own competency unless the competency can be built upon and extended across to include other areas of clinical practice. And this is where the work of the micro-credentialing will allow that. So by building mm. laterally, we're going to be able to start developing IPs to become more autonomous in their prescribing habits and also then reducing the reliance on uh, patient group directives and things like, such as this. It's very interesting, isn't it? I mean, there's so much, so much, Derek, to consider with this. Um, and, I, and I think it's interesting that we've started where we want to end up. So I, I agree. My, I think micro-credentialing is in community for community pharmacy it needs to be adopted widespread. So and and it might at this juncture it might sort of be useful to sort of highlight what that is. And I'm I'm working from the European Commission's definition of it. So it's a, a qualification evidencing learning outcomes acquired through a short, transparently assessed course or module. So you mentioned about independent prescribing there. I, I and you hinted that there would be a cohort of pharmacists later in their career who haven't actually qualified out of university as prescribers that might need this. But I would argue that everybody needs this because that's the thing about independent prescribing and non-medical prescribing in general. Um, whatever profession you're, you're about, you know, I get really nervous when I see pharmacists on, on Twitter sort of clearly just, you know, qualified as an IP, go back to their community pharmacy or wherever and just have a go. You know, that, that makes me really nervous. Now they can mitigate the risk by, you know, limiting their scope of practice and, and so on and so forth, but but they're unconsciously incompetent. And this is this is the thing with I think the future of community pharmacy, particularly, we really need to understand that and like get over the fact that lots of us are unconsciously incompetent in terms of delivering clinical services via independent prescribing. We're, 
most of us are very, very competent in the technical task of setting up an efficient dispensary and, you know, allowing safe throughput of um, medicines which are supplied, you know, loosely using uh, pharmaceutical care, although I don't think that's ever really been properly, um, you know, um, the potential of that hasn't really been realised in practice either, to be honest, um, simply because we're, we're, we're stuck in the technical task. So I think this is something for everyone. I think, I think things like supervision, I think competence frameworks, um, I think, you know, an open, transparently assessed method is, is what's required. And uh, commercially, as, a, as, a, as an altruistic pharmacist, obviously, like, have to declare an interest, which, as far as I can see, in, in, in various walks of life, people don't do these days. But, you know, pharmacy practice is going to be a training provider. So um, we're, we're moving in parallel with being a, a magazine, as it were. So we'll still do a bit of that. But my my interest really lies much more in this area so there will be a benefit to me to doing this so i need to be like upfront and honest about that but um as many as many other folk aren't to be quite honest with you um and you don't need to look too far for that but beside all that i i do think it's really exciting i think i think we are we're not even on the road to base camp if if it was a, a you know if the analogy is climbing everest we're not even We've just touched down in Nepal, you know. We're in, out of the plane. We're not. We're not even hardly out of the plane yet. Um, there's so much that we don't know, um, and that's that's why the process micro credentialing is so important. Now, welcome your views on this next bit as well. Like, there are a lot of, you know, there's a lot of jostling for position in pharmacy at the moment. Like, you know, representative bodies doing X, Y, and Z, and a lot of the work is fabulous, right? A lot of it's really good, but I I have always found as a as a community pharmacist, a lot of the initiatives and schemes that are on the go to support you um, as an independent prescriber, particularly, are really they're really complicated. They're they're I, I don't know if they're elitist, but they're just they're they're aiming right at the top, you know, and and that excludes. A massive cohort of the profession from the start. So that's the other thing I wanted to say about micro credentialing. I'm not quite sure how how you or I or we will get there, but what I want is something that is really like a building block um, that is accessible to everyone. So you can you know you can pick a skill and and you know, become competent in that skill. Um, you know we'll have a mechanism for you to demonstrate your competence. Um, it may or may not be appropriate to supervise that. You know, you'll have a contemporaneous record, and then you know you may have to be supervised, and then off you go into practice. That, to be honest, I don't know what you think, Derry, but that model feels a lot better than this blind. Let's do, um, you know, our independent prescribing course, which is a week's residential, which isn't even face to face. I was hearing this year. I was hearing we were the the, the providers were doing digital, remote, um, OSCEs, and then off 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 these prescribers go back into practice. So that's where I'm at at the moment. That's the starting point, but also the end goal. So, yeah, welcome your thoughts on all of that. To be honest. Okay, there's a, there's a lot covered there. Let's uh, break that down into a, a few smaller groups, I think. The first of all is the micro-credentialing um, process. 
it's not one fits uh, one process fits all. We have we know that pharmacists, just like any other healthcare professional, will have different ways of learning, different ways of practice. So there'll be a need to produce pieces of evidence that are acceptable, and it will be the acceptability and at what level of those pieces of evidence that we will need and put those together as a, a series of badges, and that will then form the overall uh, candidature for micro-credentialing. I think what we need to do is, is move away from the traditional models we have of um, of postgraduate training and share some of the ideas how does the medics or how do the medics for how does a, a junior uh, doctor just starting out how is his training in general practice managed and it's a similar type of way he will do some cases he will have them reviews he will have uh, he'll be observed and watched by his uh, by his trainee. So we have an idea, and we have models already in place, which are in other professions that can actually help and support this. And we just need to adapt some of these uh, to help us support with the micro credentialing, and realise this is nothing new. We are not reinventing the wheel. We are just making the wheel. Uh, pharmacy specific and helping the wheel become rounder so that we can move forward and we need to start moving forward at a pace now because we I, be, I believe we as a profession need to start showing and demonstrating the value we've had numerous people try to negotiate at very senior level with the paymasters of the NHS that of the value of pharmacy and we now need to start to be able to say pharmacy can does a wonderful job on basic core services. However, there is an even greater value that pharmacy can deliver to public health measures, which may have to be in private sector as well. But they can deliver these because they have the ancillary skills which are trained in at university, but they're not being allowed to use. And Part and parcel of this is that having that flexibility of adaption. So if a pharmacist does move uh, location or indeed the local location has a need and a change to adapt for an additional service, there's a process in place to allow that flexibility. I think this is the way that we go through to some of the paymasters to show the flexibility of how pharmacists can move. And what, what's, um, how are we going to pay for this? Because I've thought, you know, I've thought long and hard about how to, how to, but these are normally conversations you have in, in behind the scenes, but I'm, I, I don't really, this, this thing means a lot to me. So I'm going to, you know, I'm, I've, I've chosen to do it publicly really. So, you know, what is the business model? So my, you know, my interest is, is, is as a training provider going forward, a pharmacist led training provider, that that's my ambition with all this. I've said that before, but, do you think like is the micro credentialing um is the corporate structure of the organization that runs that important you know i'm thinking real boring legal stuff here does that need to be like charity status or something like that or or a not-for-profit organization derek um i <laughs> 
not being an expert on uh, on the charitable status, uh, I wouldn't like to sort of <laughs> comment on that. But to, uh, going back to your point, which was how would we fund it? I think um, it, this depends upon what does the individual farmer see, as in the group of pharmacists working within the building, or is it the individual pharmacist want to achieve do they want to um um be become more commercially available more adapt so hence they are able to offer more services and have this ability to be more marketable and i think before i think it's going to be market forces will uh, drive up those situations likewise with the pharmacy it's going to be do we really want to run every service that is offered to us or do we want to be specific and become a specialist in just a few of them and this is a this is quite a new concept within community pharmacy but it's not a new concept in other countries you look across the globe and some of the work that FIP do, you will find that in America, in certain states, if you've got a specialist diabetes question, you go to the, these named pharmacies who have uh, credentialized specialist pharmacists who have got a qualification in a post-doctorate post experience of doing uh, diabetes. If you want uh, uh, travel medicine, you go to the, these pharmacists who've got this level of qualification. So we may be starting now to, to look at the breaking down of this model of one of a jack of all trades and start defining there are going to be some needs of uh, specialism within the community sector. It doesn't take away what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. That's not going to change. But I think uh, in terms of the, the funding of, of this, it's going to be a case of who goes first and the people who go first will be the ones which will lead, lead the rest of the profession through. Once we start uh, commercially being able to develop these services, it so then becomes the threshold. Do we then go to the public bodies and ask them to fund them or do we want to retain them within the uh, private sector and does the local profile uh, the local private sector um, ha have the status that they will be able to afford them so i, I think that it, it's a model there uh, um, really there jonathan that is going to be very uh, individually focused depending on the location of the individual pharmacy Mm-hmm. And what one? I mean, when you do these things, you know, start 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 these things and try to build a business from from nothing. You, you've got to you've got to make a lot of assumptions, really. Um, my my early analysis of the community pharmacy training market is that by starting a pharmacist-led training provider, there is a massive risk. I'm fixing a problem that no one cares about because as far you know without being unkind as far as i can see the the, the and this is based on talking to 30 40 community pharmacists recently across the uk in, in all all four countries um basically they'll do their evenings you know of cpd which now of course have have, have gone online so those are little clinical updates of of various things 
and they'll maybe do their vaccination training every three years and of course COVID has put a kibosh on that so there'll be there'll be a lot of folk meeting that this year and you know then they'll do their 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 little specific um you know um maybe there's some courses that they have to do locally or stuff uh, and then they'll have then they'll have to do their employers um you know mandatory e-learning and stuff like that now Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't want to be unkind or or anything like that. But is that a fair assessment of the typical lie of the land at the moment? Um, I would think there that that is the case. We have training providers and we have training providers. Um, but what we do with any form of training is is it credible and or credit apple and that is where following a concept like the european concept for micro credentialing comes in that's that's where we have, can meet to an internationally recognized standard and uh, likewise this is where some of the training this is the way the the medics go and get all their courses accredited they get uh, a cpd point system awarded etc etc um one thing which I think is really important here is, again, we're talking about training and training within pharmacy. We should be considering, can we train across professions? What is it that we can learn from working alongside a nurse, for example? Can we learn about vaccinating young children in a with a particular uh, method? What can we learn about diagnostics from speaking with with the with the medic likewise both of those two groups will come to the pharmacist when they want detailed information about drugs pharmacology pharmacokinetics and the those usual values and this is uh, uh, a movement that i have seen and be working with certainly within travel medicine where uh, we have cross-professional training and understanding pharmacists have a value that they can add and the other professions understand what pharmacists can add to them likewise pharmacists can learn from the other professions and start to develop their their core strengths in their own business so the methodology is about sharing i believe as just as much as having a defined and a credible standard mm, it's fascinating isn't it um Certainly I mean, is. This this conversation here is going, we're going to draw it to a close in a minute or two, but um, I suppose this is just the start. And I what I'd really like to do, and, and I'm sure you know, and I know you you're keen to to sort of um, co-host this series with me, Derek. Is like, you know, now that I've done my research or, or, or as much research as reasonably possible of the of the pharmacy, well, community pharmacy training market in the UK. I think I think what we should do is go go to the market and and talk to people on the podcast and test those assumptions. So you know my my assumptions around what the typical community pharmacist um, does in terms of training. I'd love to test that. And um, a bit of a plug here, I suppose. <laughs> better better get it in. So we're we pharmacy and practice have partnered with um, the pharmacy show and the clinical pharmacy congress. So. You know, if you were up for it, Derek, it would be quite quite cool to, for you to come along to to either both or 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 one of those and 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 have a chat, and maybe we could interview some folk um, so, and, yeah, and so take it from that. there, really. 
Yeah, certainly we uh, love to be there at, uh, at those. Yeah, no problems. Very good. There's a few names that have come to mind already, but I'll um, I'll uh, I'll talk to you about those in due course, and and we can we can invite them on. And um, yeah, but I agree with your thoughts on on where we need to go, and um, I think this I think this micro credentialing concept <laughs> it sits out with. Um, especially in the private vaccination sort of scene. It, it's something community pharmacy is used to doing. It's not, you know, it's the process that's new. It's the infrastructure around the learning environment that's new. That's where the, cha that's where the change is. I've, I've intentionally picked, you know, the private vaccination scene for that reason. You know, private vaccination, uh, uh, well, A, another vaccination service is, is usually reasonably standalone as well, so you don't have complications of um, polypharmacy or, or difficult, complex cases as such. It's really a, it's not a technical task, but it's as close to a, a technical clinical task as we can get, I think. Um, so yeah, I, I thought it would be important to sort of highlight why I've chosen that clinical area as well. I think keeping as much of the clinical bit sort of constant and 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 something that you know community pharmacists are used to will allow us to hopefully lead a bit of a change and the final thing i'll say and i will shut up i i absolutely love your idea about um multidisciplinary engagement the gp training model for example wow i mean imagine we could replicate that in community pharmacy that would just be absolutely amazing so that you know that's that's a bunch of people we need to speak to as well. We need to speak to some nurses and we need to speak to some um, doctors, maybe primary and secondary care. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. And, and that's where we need to go. I think the pharmacy is no longer an island. We do need to integrate, but I think the benefits of integration people have never really seen and then the, one of the mechanisms for integration is micro-credentialing and if we can micro-credential and show it works in pharmacy could it work across other professions as well yeah I dare say it could and and, and wouldn't it be wonderful to 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 sort of have a have an educational pathway that's accessible to absolutely everyone not just the few you know that that Leave no one behind. I think should should be a theme that runs under all of this. Every yeah. pharmacist should have the opportunity to 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 um, you know extend their skills as much as they as they wish to. Right, Derek. Let's call it a day. Okay. That yeah, we'll reconvene and um, and 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 announce some future interviews. But yeah, okay. lovely talking to you today. All right. Enjoy uh, enjoy the rest of your day. And you take care. Thanks a lot.